And I'm Amit, and you are listening to Moonspeak. I'm a magical girl. Uh, wait, what? what's going on? I, I'm reading an old one. Damn it. Anyway, uh, well, <clears throat> I messed up our intro, and I'm not fixing it because I'm sick, or getting over being sick. Um, but it's me and Sona here. She's a vet. I'm the rookie. You know, not so rookie-ish anymore. Although, I was going to ask you before the call started, and then I decided not to. Um, have you seen Precure, or are you just a uh, Sailor Moon and Utena kind of magical uh-huh. kind of girl? Precure I haven't seen, but I've seen a lot of other Magical World series, uh, mostly older ones. I'll get to Precure eventually (laughs) these days. There's a lot of Precures, and I don't have a lot of time. Right. Uh, And you're pretty busy, so. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, anyway, we're going (laughs) to... talk about Sailor Moon Crystal uh, Act 17 today, which is uh, Secret Sailor Jupiter. Uh, before we start, uh, remember to keep supporting the official releases of the show so we can get more by watching it every first and third Saturday on Hulu, Crunchyroll, Niku Niku, and other fine sites. Yeah. Uh, okay, so going straight into the meat and veggies of episode 17. Usagi and the girls go to Crown Games to meet up, but Chibusa is tagged along unbeknownst to Usagi. So they play a while in the arcade while, or until Usagi is in high spirits and Mamoru tells Chibi Usa she should go so the girls can get to work. I do like that, like, after, like, when Mamoru tells Chibi Usa to go, the girls are like, oh, playing with Chibi Usa really cheered you up. And Usagi just kind of accepts it. And, like, for a moment she kind of seems to warm up to the idea, like, oh, yeah, no, me and Chibi Usa, maybe we can get along. And she doesn't really protest the playing games with Chibiusa made her feel better at all. Because it did, even though she was pretty much shown up at every turn with it. It kind of provided some nice ease from the tension going on between the two of them, and gave kind of a sense that Usagi doesn't really want to hate Chibiusa. She's just really, really stressed out by the things that have happened in the past couple of weeks. Uh, I get this really weird, um, like, teen mom vibe. Uh, actually, like, teen parent vibe from Mamoru and uh, Usagi with uh, Chibiu, so maybe more because of stuff that goes on later in the episode. Um, but uh, I know I know what it's like to be able to, like, simultaneously love your kid and then, or, and want to throw them out a window. Um, I, I know that sounds pretty bad, but it's, it's true. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I get it. So the girls have found no treats of Ami or Ray, and are worried that Black Moon has taken them out of their reach. They remark on the insidious manner in which Black Moon has infiltrated their lives and conclude that they are likely after Chibiusa, uh, whom they resolve to protect. Um, jumping ahead of my notes a little, I, I cannot stop laughing every time Luna and Artemis use the computer. <laughs> it's hilarious. I just want to throw that one out there because I that because ju- I just remembered that happened and that's always hilarious, even in this incredibly serious situation. But uh, I kind of wonder why they instinctively link the code name Rabbit to Chibiusa instead of Usagi. And is it because Chibiusa showed up at the same time as them? After everything that happened in Dark Kingdom and the fact that the crystal that they know about Usagi has it feels more logical for them to jump to, well, dang, it's time to protect the princess again, than kind of associating it so quickly with Chibiusa. Yeah, the only thing I can think is perhaps, um, 
the fact that I don't know. I would say Dark Moon or Black Moon like know who she is, and like it would make more sense for them to recognize that she's Sailor Moon. And the fact that they haven't said they're after Sailor Moon uh, kind of brings up the distinction in their minds. I don't. I don't know. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Chibusa has a memory of. She's. Hmm? No, I had. To, I was wondering for a second if they would, but yes, they, that is something that they would know. So I guess yeah, they would say like we're after Sailor Moon, but instead they're saying Rabbit. Okay. And I think it's really interesting oh. that Takuchi like goes ahead and points out the. Uh, the weird choice that she made to name her main character Rabbit, and then have this mini version of them be actually called Rabbit. Um, which, like, maybe you wouldn't know that if you were a Japanese, uh, you know, viewer of the manga, or reader of the manga, or viewer of the original show, but it's, uh, I mean, you might, um, you might easily know that. It's just weird. They seem to be taking Rabbit, like, I, I think they're taking Rabbit as an English word, so it would be written mm, okay. than some. It would probably be written in mm, Okay. Um, okay, so she has this memory of Silver Millennium and uh, what appears to be uh, masked Mamoru and Usagi kiss and embrace in view of a cheering crowd, which was really interesting. Yeah, Chibs, Chibs has had a heck of a life. Uh, I mean, we're just kind of starting to allude to uh, how she's really tied to everyone. But, uh... Yeah, knowing knowing what I do, that's a lot more sad than it looks. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Chibius is out of the uh, Tsukino house, sad, just kind of wandering around. Uh, when a voice she seems to call Pluto comes from uh, the Luna P-Ball and cheers her up with a little magic. I cannot wait for Pluto to get this one. Pluto is so interesting, and her relationship with Chibiusa is really sweet. I'm not sure if it was the voice Pluto's voice came specifically from Luna P, or if it was just another memory uh, tied to something Pluto had told her that she then used on Luna P. But I really can't wait for Pluto to show up. I love her so much. Hmm. Yeah, maybe the whole memory thing is uh, throwing me off, but that's what it seemed to mean. I thought like Luna P, Luna P. Hey, Pluto. I wonder if that has anything to do with the name. Maybe. Perhaps. I've actually never considered that. That's very interesting. <laughs> Alright, so, uh. Keep that in mind. Alright. Uh. Okay. So, uh, Mamoru seems to get up off the ground where he was sleeping or reading, um, in the rain for some reason. Whatever, <laughs> Mamoru. Do you, you do you. Uh, anyway, he sees uh, Chibius all alone, and uh, like when he touched her so- shoulder to get her attention, he shared a vision of her, or with her, of a massive explosion, and uh, he doesn't let on that he'd seen it, which is good, uh, so that he can comfort her, and, uh, but at the same time, he's wondering just what the heck that was. Yeah, like I said, Chibs has seen some things. Uh, I do think it's interesting that Mamoru was able to make that connection so easily, and kind of recognize what he was seeing, uh, given how vague that sort of thing was in Dark Kingdom. Uh, maybe it's because everyone is fully awakened now, or other reasons that are uh, have not come up in the plot yet. But it's it's very interesting, given how much visions have shown up in Crystal already, 
and uh, what we've done with them and how much more uh, lucid, I guess, is maybe the word this was than the previous visions. Hmm. Well, they certainly make a good plot device, so... Okay, so Prince Demand looks upon Ami and Rey, wondering if they are like the Queen, uh, borrowing the power of the Legendary Silver Crystal to stay eternally youthful. He says he can't wait to destroy the Legendary Silver Crystal and see the look on that woman's face, uh, which I'm assuming is uh, the Queen's face, but, like, which Queen? Uh, Is it Queen Serenity, and why? And uh. Uh, Well, Demand is a creeper. He is a huge skeeve. Uh, I, I am pretty sure Sapphire starts calling him out on it eventually. Um, it is Queen Serenity. It is not uh, old Queen uh, Serenity. Okay. She's okay. she's gone. She's not coming back. She's pretty dead. Okay, that's fair. Then I can draw some conclusions from that. Yeah, I mean, we only have one other story, <laughs> so... Uh, okay. She did inherit right. the kingdom. So that's, that's not really much of a spoiler, but it's it's our current uh, Serenity Usagi. Right. Um, okay, so um, Pets, which is like a really weird name, and uh, I'm not even going to start mentioning yeah. her outfit right now, but just strange emphasis. We'll get, yeah. to, um, <laughs> we'll get to Pets. <laughs> Uh, so she volunteers to avenge her fallen sisters by capturing Makoto, which is, you know, a good thing if you're a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, on their end. It is sort of interesting that we're skipping right to Pets, who is the oldest, instead of kind of continuously going up in age, uh, like most things in this vein tend to do, and like we kind of already were doing with uh, Cone and Berthier. But we've skipped the third sister and gone right to Pets. Yeah, a little weird, but uh, anyway. Uh, so Asanamu sees... Uh, well, hold on. I, I, I got to share something with you and the listeners. I, I reread this sentence a few times, and I have no idea what I was trying to say. So I'm just going to say it, and I think you'll get it, hopefully, everyone. So Asanamu sees Luna talking, which is weird because she's a cat, uh, as Mamoru and Usagi discuss uh, him fixing the Luna pee ball. Um, which is right. Mom. Yeah, Mamoru fixing the ball. Um, and they're, I guess they're also discussing from where Chibiusa came and how they might protect her and Finami and Rei. Yeah, and Asanamu has this great freak out over this because what is this situation? I mean, it's a completely rightful freak out. He should be because that cat is talking and what is that ball doing? And what do you mean these two girls I met last week were just kidnapped? And maybe dead. What? Why are we not calling the police? It's a little funny that Luna's gotten sloppy enough to be overheard in public like that. Uh, Especially with their enemies, knowing that their enemies are infiltrating human society. You'd think, you know, everyone would be a little more careful about that. But especially Luna, uh, who kind of gives it away just by virtue of being a talking cat. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Uh, okay, so next, uh, Makoto, who gets static charged when she's sick, is apparently, is uh, feeling under the weather. Um, she's escorted home by Asanamu, who uh, who she tells about her parents' death years ago in a plane crash. Yikes. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think I mentioned this back when we first met Makoto. She lives alone in that apartment. 
for reasons that are now her past death in this plane crash. Um, I don't know why I find it really cute that her powers go haywire when she's sick. Especially with how simply she just tries to kind of hand wave it as if that's just a completely (laughs) normal thing that happens to some people when they get sick. Like, oh yeah, no, I just give off electricity. that was funny. Everyone, doesn't everyone do that? I do that. She has such a sad backstory, though, and it really explains a lot of why she kind of is the way she is and why she's so protective of Usagi and Ami and the rest of the girls, because they're really all she has in the world. She didn't have any other friends before. So she's had just such a lonely life until kind of meeting Usagi and everyone else. And that's why she kind of does really everything she can for them. Yeah, it's a pretty cool, uh, I don't know, trait or maybe not trait, but the way she plays out her character. Uh, so let's see, uh, in Makoto's apartment, um, they have rose tea, and apparently, I mean, like, I know from listening to you in the past that she uh, is got, like, a plant alignment, too, so she has a bunch of house plants, which is pretty cool to see. Um, Asanamu's overwhelmed after hearing some strange things on the news, so uh, she clues him into the fact that she and her friends are destined to fight evil, um, which I, I thought was interesting that she kept it kind of vague, but pretty much came out and said what she said. Um, and he says he wishes that he could be uh, as strong as she is, and t- uh, takes her hand, saying he'd protect her if he had any powers. And Makoto kisses him on the forehead, and that was really sweet. It was. I love how kind of just straightforward she was about being Seller Jupiter. She's like, uh, no, he's heard the cat talk. We're way past the point of being able to cover us up. And she knows that she might get in trouble for it later. You know, Luna might yell at her. But Makoto trusts him enough that he'll keep this secret for her. And he's given everything kind of going on and all of the risks involved for normal people, he's safer knowing the truth so that he can kind of avoid it. Yeah. Um, So, let's see, he promises not to tell anyone. Um about her and her friends, he leaves and she collapses. Uh, let's see, so um, Minako calls Makoto, who doesn't answer, then she calls Usagi to report that Makoto may be in danger. So a lot of Minako going kind of back and forth between casual Minako and leader Venus this episode, which I really enjoyed. Uh, we're seeing a lot of Minako's personality in Black Moon, which we really didn't get a chance to see in Dark Kingdom. And it's, it's just kind of really nice to see her growing as a character, since she, by the time we got to her in Dark Kingdom, it was like, oh no, we're, we have to go forward with this battle, you don't have time yet to be a normal girl. Right. Okay, so uh, Pets has sent out viruses that mark people for death and replacement by um, their droids. Um, Usagi Minako arrived just in time to see Makoto destroy her would-be imposter, uh, which was pretty aw- awesome. Um and I, I think this is such a neat plan on Pet's part. Um, it's weird how the Black Moon seems to be all about infiltration. I know they've said it a few times, um, but like here you really get to see just how insidious they are about it. Yeah, I mean, the Black Moon's about a lot of things, but assimilation is such an interesting strategy, especially on their part, because they're very, very prideful. I mean, if you look at them, if you look at kind of their actions, the way they talk to each other, uh, demand and what his goals seem to be leaning towards. 
And they're prideful enough that if they thought humans were beneath them in any way, they'd just start plowing through them. I mean, they're they're all pretty strong, and they've got some crazy powers going on in them. So, I mean, they hold humans with enough regard to kind of walk among them and bring them down from the inside. And I think that's a re- just a really interesting way for Dark Kingdom to go, kind of in, re- in comparison to... For Black Moon to go in comparison to Dark Kingdom, who just kind of went in and usually just broke some stuff. Tricked people into doing things and broke some stuff. Whereas we want to completely replace them and take over and then get what we want. Yeah, and I mean, (coughs) it's good if only for the refreshing uh, or, you know, the lack of staleness that comes with the change. Yeah. Uh, So let's see. uh, Weakened Jupiter... um, has become trapped in Pets' dark lightning sphere, even though Usagi destroyed her. Uh, Rubius remarks that Prince Demand is playing a cruel game and takes Makoto away. Yeah, and Rubius isn't really bothered by it, because Rubius is also a big jerk. Um, I wonder if maybe he was trying to imply to Usagi that Ami and Rei are dead, kind of in an order to shake her even more, since breaking her will get them Rabbit and get them the crystal. I mean, even though it's clearly a lie and they're still alive, uh, breaking her down would do a lot in their favor. Yeah, yeah, it really would. Okay, so let's move on to the frills. Um, let's see, uh, so Chibiusa seem, um, sorry, sends Luna P into Usagi's room to cheer her up as she thinks about Ami and Rei. This was such a cute scene. Chibiusa knows that Usagi is uncomfortable around her and doesn't really seem to like her at all. But she wants to help Usagi anyway, because she she does care about Usagi, and she knows kind of what's happening to Usagi and her friends are really terrible, and how much the others mean to her, and she very much blames herself for it. Uh, She blames herself for a lot of things going on. So she tries to do just even one small nice thing to try and at least cheer her up for now. Chibiusa's really, really cute. Now you regret hating her? Back in the day? I was. I was back <laughs> in the day. But this was just such a cute yeah. scene. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is great, too. Usagi complains that Mama is only sweet to Chibiusa and is bothered by Chibiusa calling him Mamo-chan uh, when she sees the tuxedo mask doll Mama had given to her. I wonder if she knows that Luna also is calling him Mamo-chan? I mean, is Luna kind of a familiar enough presence that Usagi is fine with it? I mean, if you're going to be threatened by a five-year-old, you might as well be threatened by the cat, too. I suppose so. But, I mean, I guess the doll doesn't really help, because I still want to know where that came from. Who made that? Did Makoto make that? Because I could see her, like, on a silly whim, just kind of sewing up a doll, like, here, Mamoru, we're friends now, I made you a present. That's just such a weird thing for him to have. Yeah, it really is. It's is that like I know I've already asked, but I forgot. Is that self referential at all to the nineties uh anime? Um I know it's in the manga that okay. he has that. I don't remember if back in in the first series if that scene took place. It probably did. Because most of the manga stuff did take place, it was just much more spaced out. But just, maybe in that they at least explained where it came from. 
I mean, is there... I know in, in the 90s series, there was actually, like, in-universe Sailor Moon merchandise. Because Sailor Moon did kind of come up and take a Sailor V-esque role. Oh. So, I mean, at least there, that would kind of make sense. But I don't know where the Tuxedo Mask doll came from in this hmm. universe. That's weird. Uh, I mean, it's even weird that there's Sailor V merch, but we won't get into that right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, um, like, Prince Demand is, like, being a creeper, looking at Ami and Ray, and then, like, Wiseman shows up and chides him, and then he just, like, magically vanishes with his awesome old wise man, or, you know, old man voice, and, uh, it's really cool. I really like the character, just on, like, the moments I've seen of him. Uh, he's he's a really good villain, and I like his design a lot. They're doing a lot of really visually interesting things with him, with his, like, bright green line work. Hmm. He's got this, like, bright glowing green line work going on, which stands out really nicely kind of against the really dark, shadowy thing they've got going on uh, with him. Yeah. I can't remember what that is called at the moment. But, um... The specific animation style right. that's called uh, what they're doing with his shadowy thing, but uh, it's just visually they're making him really, really interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of the reason I like him. I just also like that voice. Like that's such an awesome voice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, whoops! I wasn't supposed to bring this up yet, but I already did about the rose tea and uh, all the plants that Makoto has. I think that's a really cool touch for her, um, especially because of her, you know, rose petal attack and her earrings that she wears and stuff. Uh, it's on the elemental because her element is wood, um, which it t- it took a bit of my childhood to figure that out because it always seemed a little weird to me that she had both plant and electrical attacks, and then I always just as a kid I assumed like electricity was some kind of element in there, and then I I kind of learned more about the elemental compass and I'm like okay well her element is wood why does she have these lightning attacks until maybe a year or two ago when I realized that Jupiter is Zeus, and that's where the lightning was coming from. So... I did also recognize, like, her rose tea. Just before they said it was rose tea, I'm like, that looks like rose tea. Why am I recognizing that? I don't know much about tea. (laughs) Yeah, that's a cool touch. Um, Like, she's so into roses, or, you know, plants and stuff, that she even has rose tea. That's really cool. Uh, All right, are we ready for... uh... The next topic. Talking yeah, about talking pets. about pets. All right, so um, pet sure has some design. Uh, is this new? Does it seem very nipple centric to you? Uh, that's almost all I picked up from her. You know, that's just that's just pets. That's what her design's pretty much always been. Uh, she does have this weird kind of eyes design going on on her boobs, and that is. Really freaky and not really my favorite <laughs> design. I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty okay with the rest of it, but just her whole chest area does not quite work for me. Yeah, yeah, no, pretty much that's like the only thing, of course, I said the, that's the only thing that caught my attention, but nothing else seemed out of place, you know? Like, I think she was wearing boots and like capris, and that was fine. She has, like, this green dress, and she's got kind of this weird updo going on, and she's got, like, the feather shoulders for some reason, and then she's got, like, these boob eyes that I don't really understand. 
that I've never really understood, quite frankly, but... Yeah, that's some weird stuff right there. Yeah. Oh, well, she's dead, so we're yeah, done with I guess that. So. All right. Um, you have a favorite line? Um, I'm going with you on this one. So. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me if I can clear my throat for a moment. Um, so Makoto's new new catchphrase, right? Um, no, no, this was it. It was this was okay. it last time. She she didn't get to be like the central transformation okay. much. Well, Dark Kingdom, so I think we only maybe got it once or twice. Well, I'm feeling numb with regret because that's such, such an awesome line. I'll make you feel so much regret, it'll leave you numb. How boss is that? Like, that's... It is. And I think, like, specifically with everything going on and with her being so afraid for Ami and Rei and worried about Usagi and wanting to protect Chibiusa, like, it really just has such an impact this time. Yeah, and it, like a close second would be uh, like she picks up the android over her head and is about to throw it. Is like, is this the best you can do? <laughs> yeah, Mako's oh, uh, yeah. so good. Oh, what a what a great character. I love and even so like much. before, uh, like oh yeah, I mean, she was always great. But like you know, she she like kicks the droid off of her and then like grabs her throat. Like oh man, being choked sucks. Um, just like I don't know, it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I could go on, but that was uh, that was fun. Uh, so we have a uh, the final the final sister next week. Yeah, you know, what? I, I don't. Not, I guess now it is next week. I don't okay. remember her name. I only remember her English dub name. So. uh... She she has a less creepy design. Her design is much more in line with uh with Cone and Berthier, okay. um, more so than pets. So I can uh I can deal with that. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's gonna draw us to a close here. Um, uh, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Okay, well, uh, bye everyone. Sorry, stuff keeps getting late, but um, I don't know. I keep getting sick and crap keeps coming up. But hopefully, the next review will actually be out on Monday. Yeah, we're we're getting there. We're doing our best, everyone. I'll, I'll release this, you know, Friday maybe, so that you can enjoy it before the next episode. We'll get caught up eventually. eventually. <laughs> All right, bye everybody, and um. Yes. I was going to say something stupid, but I won't instead. <laughs> D- don't put eyes on your boobs. That's. No, don't. Don't do that. It's <laughs> a bad uh, thing. That is. <laughs> this. I mean, ex- except in Gurren Logan, where it was still creepy, but also pretty hilarious because it was actually the joke. <laughs>